I'm Michael Brennis, and this is the Showbiz Roundup. The duo of tenor saxophone and drums is a classic free improv pairing, but the music and sounds each group makes are guaranteed to go in an infinite number of singular directions. That will certainly be the case at Audio for the Arts on July 22nd when Chicago meets Switzerland in the form of the Julian Kirshner Nicolaj Clemens, aka Sebi, duo. Julian Kirshner, welcome to the Showbiz Roundup. It's great to meet you and thanks for being here today. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Um, so we're aware of the immigration issues with musicians coming to the States needing to use pseudonyms um, because of the, you know, the fees are like out of proportion with the earning potential in most cases. Um, in this case, I'm a little bit confused because the musician we're calling Sebastian Strinic has a website under that name. And at the same time, there's a little, there's very little out there using the other name that we're not mentioning for immigration reasons. Um, but many of the gigs are using that other name and not Sebastian. Anyway, um, if you can fill us in on that aspect of things and also tell us about him, uh, where he's from and what's his background. Yeah, certainly. So um, I think I think there might be a little bit of a uh, uh, an order of operations issue there. Um, uh, so his his name is Sebastian Strand. On paper, we're calling him Nicolaj Clemens. Oh, I got it backwards. Yeah. Um, uh, and and that's that's OK. We just want to, uh, you know, avoid google search uh results if possible but understood uh yeah we can we can call him sebi for the purpose of this okay sebi lives in lucerne and there is a somewhat long-standing relationship between swiss jazz musicians and improvisers and chicago musicians specifically and uh in chicago the uh swiss uh cultural affairs office uh they run a residency for artists and sebastian came here i guess it was february of 2019 or it was at the end of it was at the end of 2018 and he stayed for about three three or four months and he is one of a few musicians who have done this residency in chicago where they come and work and play and uh, we were introduced to each other by the musician who held the residency in 2015 or 2016, as they are bandmates in a local outfit in Switzerland. His primary horn is tenor saxophone. And we played a handful of gigs in Chicago during his time here. And before his return home, we decided to uh tried to capture a document of some kind so we went to experimental sound studio did a bunch of takes made a record about a year later the record came out and we said hey we should tour this thing we booked a handful of gigs for september of 2020 and then it became pretty clear about four months into 2020 that that tour wasn't going to happen right so now this is kind of the uh the 2020 tour that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. The makeup tour. It's the makeup tour that's taking a little bit of a different route. And about the tour, I, I understand you're doing a number of dates in the States. What kind of venues are you playing? And, and what's the state of touring in the improvised music scene these days? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's so this is the first tour that I will have done in the last couple of years that has left the Midwest, though it's not by any means an exhaustive tour of what could be possible right now. It's really pretty abbreviated. Uh, we are going to be playing three venues in the Midwest. We're going to play in Madison at Audio for the Arts. Uh, the evening before that, we're going to play at Elastic in Chicago. And on the evening of uh, the 23rd of July, we're going to play in Lafayette, Indiana at the Spot Tavern. And then we'll basically take a couple days off. Uh, we're going to fly to New York and we're going to play at Downtown Music Gallery in Lower Manhattan. And then we'll play a gig at iBeam. And then we will go to upstate New York, to Kingston, New York. And we're going to play at a new venue, which is being dubbed Kingston Jazz Center. Uh, we'll fly back to Chicago and do a radio spot and play a gig at the Beat Kitchen. And that'll pretty much be the tour. Awesome. Typically, there's not uh, an arrangement which would allow for just simply playing three gigs in the Midwest and then flying to New York and doing three gigs there. But uh, it is the kind of situation where we, we found ourselves not really being able to find much on the road in between where I live and New York City. So uh, Pittsburgh was not possible. Cleveland was not possible. And Detroit was not possible. So this is kind of the result of that. And He's never been to the South and there are lots of opportunities. Well, not lots, but there are a couple opportunities in the South, but uh, the issue is what to do, just like getting to the East coast, what to do on your way to getting there. So uh, this seemed like the best sort of uh, string of options. Mm -hmm. Do you think that sort of whatever's going on in the upper Midwest these days is, kind of a post-pandemic thing or like the results of the pandemic or, or, or were things kind of slowing down in that realm, you know, beforehand as well? Yeah. Yeah. I played there a handful of times. I think part of it might be that, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure anybody's all that confident that people will come out to see the duo play, uh, which is fine. You know, there are, uh, there are, there's a specific demographic in certain cities that uh, rely on like, a, for example, I know. Um, yeah. Like in Ohio, um, there's a couple spots where, you know, if somebody's coming through town, maybe a promoter can organize something at the local jazz club, even though it typically wouldn't be the spot for avant-garde music or whatever. Uh, however, that would be good for that demographic of people, maybe because it's an older demographic. However, that demographic of people might not be the best demographic to have in a DIY sort of space. So it's kind of hard to gauge because I haven't been in a couple of years, but uh, yeah, I'm getting the impression that just from having heard stories from friends that things are picking up again, like in, you know, Michigan and in Ohio um, that, yeah, there are, there are things that are cooking along, you know, kind of post pandemic or whatever you know, current stage we're in. Um, but uh, for me, it seems like 
maybe it's a situation in which, uh, you know, I'm still kind of uh, working to develop a uh, an audience of sorts. Sure, sure. I mean, that makes sense. I also think something that's super helpful in this kind of situation is like, if you can become part of a series, like if a location has a series, an ongoing series of mm-hmm. music where the audience, you know, um, knows what to expect. They show up for each event in the series, especially in kind of these out of the way places, at least to places that to us are out of the way or whatever, yeah. you know, a certain audience will come and uh, it feels like a lot of those series have kind of lost steam for obvious reasons, but hopefully they're coming back to some extent. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. I mean, you know, I was thinking about, you know, that sort of thing and in regards to, you know, the sort of uh, activity that was happening in Chicago before everything shut down and things are obviously picking up again, but they're very different than they were, you know, two years ago and before that, you know, I don't even, you know, we used to joke about how it was like nobody came to anybody's gigs on Mondays because everybody had a gig on Monday. <laughs> and, you know, there are a couple things happening, but it's like, it, it literally used to be like, there were like six or seven gigs that were happening on Monday nights in Chicago. Now it's like maybe one or two. And, uh, and yeah, so Monday night, I guess is no longer the the hot night for improvised music or live music in Chicago. But, but, uh, but I, I have a feeling that, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of like sprouting up. You know, there are places like in even in the suburbs that are hosting things that I understand, like in Oak Park, Illinois, there's a place called Compound Yellow. And, and there really are new places that are kind of uh, sort of sprouting up and uh, working on, you know, uh, cultivating new audiences and things like that. And, you know, people who are maybe willing to drive an extra 10 miles to see something. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly different from from before yeah we've we've also talked about the downtown music gallery on this show in the past with with other folks and um i know you guys are playing there that seems to really draw performers from a certain realm of improvised music and is kind of an important i think an important sort of cultural touchstone or whatever for folks and it's cool to see that you guys are playing there as well yeah yeah i'm excited to uh you know especially be there especially this time around because uh, I can't actually remember the other, the full personnel of the other band on the bill, but I know Tom Rainey is on the bill and that's super exciting for me uh, to be able to perform with him. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's just an incredible drummer uh, from yeah. New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, th- that'll be the second time that I've performed there. And the first time was probably five or six years ago. And they that that series is kind of, uh, to me, akin to what we had in Chicago with the weekly series at Myopic Bookstore um, every week for like 20 some odd years, basically. You know, sometimes people show up, sometimes people don't. And that's OK, too. But uh, it's an institution. Right. Right. And, and again, it goes back to the, you know being a series. People know when it's going to happen. They know kind of sort of what to expect. And so it's helpful for them to show up and talking about Tom Rainey. I think uh, it's almost worth making the trip to do that show just to see Tom Rainey play. Yeah, 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 certainly. Yeah. It's been a few years. It's been a few years since, uh, since I've seen him play. And one thing that uh, he, 
you know, I don't, I don't know him personally, but I do know that he's very uh, open about congratulating Chicagoans on having places to play. That's something he's made a point to, to let us know about when he's graced our stages in Chicago. So I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe talking with him a little bit and meeting him and getting to know him a little better. Very cool. Um, you mentioned myopic and are you still curating at myopic? Is that, is that happening these days? Uh, it's as far as I understand, it's still on hiatus. I kind of wrapped up my, uh, curatorial duties pretty much at the end of 2019. And that was something that I was working on for about six years, uh, six or yeah, I guess about six years. And I was booking that with my buddy, Zoots Houston, formerly known as Aaron Zarzutsky. Uh, and if you're familiar with it, you might know that it's kind of changed hands many times over the years among Chicago musicians. Uh, and it was a weekly series at Myopic Bookstore in Wicker Park. And it uh, it was it was and hopefully will return, you know, as things normalize uh, again. Uh, hopefully it'll return again. You know, it, it was dubbed the longest running improvised music series in Chicago. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to play a little hand in that and, you know, uh, create a space for veterans and newcomers alike. That's great. And, uh, you know, it seems like there's this theme of sort of non-traditional venues really being important, being important to the improvised music scene. And I think Chicago has had a number of those. Milwaukee has Woodland Pattern Bookstore. There's just so many others that I, I'm sure you would agree are important to the scene. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of uh, unconventional places I've played, which is which is funny that you bring that up because I have a friend who who just had a uh, a concert fall through at a DIY spot because of an electrical issue in the space or something like that, and he reached out and he was like, "Hey, we need you know a DIY space. This band from Pennsylvania, they got in touch and we booked it and this and that, and we don't know what to do." And I was like, holy shit, I don't, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know where these places are. I, you know, the ones that I can think of probably all closed like 10 years ago. I don't mean bookstores or anything that I mean, like house concerts and, you know, mm -hmm. places mm -hmm. like, you know, that were, you know, sort of part of the DIY scene in Chicago. And I'm just, I'm completely out of the loop on that right now because, you know, probably, be, probably because there aren't a lot of, there's not a lot of improvised music happening in those places these days, but but uh, probably just, I think it's probably partially just aging also a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny to, to talk about like electrical issues and stuff. I was, I went to a show at uh, ABC No Rio in uh, Manhattan okay. years and years ago. And like the day, it was on a weekend and the day before, I think their, their fuel oil tank had leaked into the basement or something. And so the whole place smelled like diesel. Yeah. And, uh, I made it through like 40 minutes of the show, but <laughs> the fumes kind of overwhelmed me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing you have to put up with, I guess, in that space. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I really, it's funny you bring that up because uh, there's somebody who's booked uh, concerts in Chicago for a long time. And like 10 years ago, when I was trying to sort of dip my toes a little bit, uh, they responded to me and told me a story about like an HVAC issue in the space. And I totally thought that that was their excuse for just kind of, pushing me off, you know, and be like, uh -huh. yeah, we're not really ready to give you, you know, we don't want to book you here and this and that. And I told her, yeah, there was obvious, there was obvious truth to that later on. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just, it wasn't just a ruse. 
to shift gears a little bit, drums tend to have a well-defined role in other styles of music. Take jazz or rock, for example. Can you share any thoughts about the role of drums in improvised music or maybe about your approach in particular? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think for me, uh, it all, you know, I grew up in, I, I wouldn't exactly say a musical household, but my dad played piano, uh, you know, as a, as a hobbyist, uh, in my youth. And, uh, I was kind of selected, not kind of, I was selected as a 10 year old to be part of the Chicago symphony orchestra has this youth sort of percussion ensemble. It's called the, it's called the, uh, it's called the Chicago youth, you know, percussion ensemble. And, uh, that was kind of how it all began. <laughs> and that's all very different from where it's at now. But the sort of curriculum of that program revolved around the student essentially only playing a snare drum for the first year of their participation. And then I'm sorry, I've already, I made an error in my story. I, I need to rewind a little bit. The beginning of your participation in the program, you are only allowed to uh, perform and exercise on a practice pad. And then after, the timeline is fuzzy for me because I was only 10 years old, but basically after what felt like almost a year and i'm really pretty sure that it was it was damn close to a year it could have been maybe nine months or something basically if you prove yourself through you know participation in lessons and this and that you would then be given a snare drum and then after another year of basically continuing to develop your technique as you were on the practice pad there was a uh, a recital of sorts, which was which was basically just a public exam for all of the families who had kids. And if you uh, sort of quote unquote passed, then you were given a marimba. And then you were kind of graduated into another tier of the ensemble as somebody who played, um, you know, uh, a, a melodic instrument for, uh, for lack of a better word right now. Um, in any case, that gave me serious anxiety. And I quit after two years. I was like, I can't handle this marimba stuff. You know, I had never even actually taken a drum set lesson after, you know, after two, two and a half years of being a participant of this, I took a year off and then I started taking drum set lessons, uh, like with a local teacher and got kind of burned out again and rediscovered the drum set in high school and somehow managed to sneak myself into the jazz ensemble as a 17 year old, even though I had like no formal training, like at all. Like I, I you know, in, in playing swung eighth notes or whatever, I just, I, I really, I had never done it before. So it was at that point when my family was like, okay, well, if this is something you're interested in again, you know, let's talk about lessons. And then I started taking lessons with uh, Frank Rosalie, which is, 
kind of where I'm wrapping this all around. So, you know, um, I would say that it's, it's no stretch to say that he's one of the <laughs> greatest contemporary inspirations for me as a drummer and as a friend, as a teacher, you know? So, um, I hope that, you know, I've been convincing in being a student of somebody of Frank's stature. However, uh, you know, my goal on the drums is to create my own sort of thing. And I know that, uh, having listened to, you know, a handful of, you know, amazing drummers who live in Chicago and uh, really across the world that, uh, it's, it's tough to like get hung up on things that I at times feel convinced that I'll never be able to technically execute. Uh, however, with my own sound, I'm at this point kind of trying to forget some of that stuff and put the blinders on and not think about all the other amazing musicians and drummers in the world and think about the way that I was kind of brought up through the practice pad and the snare drum and not necessarily always worry about how cool this four limb sort of thing will work, but more so about the intention of what I just do on maybe a single drum or a single cymbal by itself with my two hands or maybe just one of my hands or something. So that's kind of, you know, the long-winded answer for the way that I'm thinking about, like, my sound and technical uh, output right now. Interesting. That's very cool. Um, so you have this tour coming up. Anything else on the horizon for you that uh, you're excited about? Um, I have to be honest with you. Given that uh, this is all a uh, revived tour from 2020, a lot of work has gone into making this happen and there's not a whole lot of other stuff on the books uh, at the moment. However, uh, we have kind of revived a trio of myself uh, and Keith Jackson and Fred Lombard home. We just had a gig in Chicago and that's very exciting. There could possibly be a recording of that uh, in the future. And uh, you know, I have an ongoing trio with Keith and Jim Baker, which I would say is probably <laughs> the most working band that I'm involved in at the moment. You know, we don't play a lot, but we, we probably play like I would say uh, seven or eight times a year, which is, which is cool. Uh, so it's exciting to get back to playing with those guys again. And uh, I've also been helping out uh, organizing some shows at Constellation in Chicago on a periodic basis. Uh, you know, uh, after a break from booking myopic, I've been happy to sort of help out organizing concerts again for people. So you know, we're doing a couple things over there with duo concerts and things of that nature. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's that's probably a pretty good synopsis of what's on the horizon. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's no surprise that, you know, things aren't roaring back for everybody at the same rate, you know, and uh, right. it's kind of day by day we figure it out and. Anyway, Julian Kirshner, I really appreciate you stopping by on the Showbiz Roundup today. It's been great to meet you and great to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I'm looking, looking forward to meeting and seeing you next week, hopefully. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Michael.
That's it for this edition of the Showbiz Roundup. Our theme music is performed by Outside the Sphere, an experimental duo consisting of Tony Barba and myself. If you'd like more information about this show or any of the past or future shows presented by Bluestem Jazz, you can head over to bluestemjazz.org. And you can follow my doings or be in touch via rattletakebuzz.com. Catch you later.